will to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. I'm going to read the first four verses of Scripture for a text tonight. And preach on the God of all comfort. Have you ever needed comforting? Well, I do quite often. And I found out that the best comforter we have is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's going to shoot some Scripture on the wall. You can read there or open your Bibles, whatever you'd like to do. But let's read here in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which be, is at Corneth, with all saints which are in Achaia. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Amen. Notice verse number four. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Let's go to him in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful tonight to be able to be here in church. We're thankful, God, for the service that was at this morning. I just pray, God, that you'd speak to people's hearts tonight here uh, through the Word of God. Lord, I feel so un incapable of bringing the Word tonight. I pray, God, that your Spirit would just fill me tonight, God, and make it easy for me to preach. And I pray, God, that people's hearts would be touched. I know there's people that need to be comforted. People have lost family members, loved ones, friends and neighbors and so forth. And then there's other ways we need to be comforted as well. And we'll mention some of them. But, God, I just pray tonight that you'd comfort our hearts. Only you could do that. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Blessed be God. When I read that, those three words there in verse number three, blessed be God, I think how we need to be praising the Lord. Now, I know the word blessed probably doesn't mean praise, but, you know, God wants to hear us praise Him. Did you know that? And I believe one of the things we need to be doing more than what we are, myself included, is to praise the Lord. David put it like this in Psalms 34 and verse 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And the Bible says there, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. Now, do we need to stop and have an invitation right now? Amen. His word shall be continually in my mouth. Thank God for him and his blessing today. And we need to be blessing God. That ought to get rid of the complaining saints of God. We ought to praise the Lord. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, Whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. So I want you to think about that. God wants to be glorified. We need to be glorifying him. Amen. Not mankind, not the preacher, not anyone else that we know, but glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul here in, in 2 Corinthians calls him the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I want to stop here and spend just a little time on three words. And those words are love and mercy and grace. So much today is being talked about love, but actually what they're talking about is lust. They're not talking about the love of God. Yeah. It's, it's even sloppy theology to say that God saves us by His love. Now, it's true that God loves us. Yes. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that word so encompasses a great amount of love. We can't even imagine how much that God loves us tonight. But the Bible says there that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, that's you and me, believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we don't know how much God loves us. It would break our hearts if we could comprehend how much God truly loves us. But God does not save us by His love. Right. The Bible says in the Word of God, the Scriptures teach we're saved by God's grace. Now, now what is grace? Well, there are different definitions of grace. I like, I like the definition unmerited favor, which means that God saves us on a different basis than merit. You see, man 
uses the merit system. If you go to work and you're going to get a promotion, you'll get a promotion because of the merit system. Maybe that you've been there longer. Maybe that you're more qualified for the job than anybody else. But you'll be promoted on the merit system. God doesn't use the merit system. I tell you, I don't merit anything. If I got what I deserve tonight, I'd be dead and in hell already. But God loves us, but he doesn't save us by his love. He saves us by his grace. So God is the God of all mercies. The Bible says he's the father of mercies. Mercy means that God so loved us that he provided a savior for us because he couldn't save us any other way. Anything that we have today is simply from the mercy of God. He's the father of mercy. It said, matter of fact, in the word that he's rich in grace and rich in mercy. Now, do you need mercy today? If you need money, you go to the bank to get the money. If you need mercy, you go to the one that can give you mercy, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you need any help, go to him. He can help when no one else can. After all, anything and everything that we have today is because of the mercy of Almighty God. You don't deserve it, and I don't deserve it. Once again, if I got what I deserved, I'd be dead and in hell tonight. I don't have much. What I have is from the mercy of God. God was merciful to put me into the ministry. Now, I wasn't saved by mercy. I was saved by grace. But God was merciful to put me into the ministry. If, If I live another month, I'll be in the ministry for 40 years. And it's gone quick. Been a lot of water going to the bridge in 40 years. But I thank God for being merciful to me and calling me into the gospel ministry. Nothing any greater to do than to preach the word of God. Not only is he the father of mercies, but Paul said here in this scripture, he's also the God of comfort. Now comfort, when I think about comfort, I think of suffering is the acid test of the comfort of God. You're tested in the crucible of life. You're tested through the trials and the troubles and the situations that come your way. You didn't expect them to come. You didn't want them to come, but they came your way nonetheless. Now, some people think when they get saved, everything's going to come up roses. Everything's going to be real good. You know, no problems at all. When you get to heaven, ask the Apostle Paul about that. When you get to heaven, ask John the Baptist about that. He lost his head serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Or even ask Stephen, that deacon that was stoned to death because he served the Lord Jesus Christ. Those and many others suffered because of their walk with the Lord. Psalms 119 and verse 50 says simply this, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. See, he's the God of all comfort. When Paul and Silas was in jail... They were comforted by singing and praying. And the Lord was there. The Spirit of God was there. He comforts us through His Word. I preached a few months ago on the word trust here on on one Sunday morning. Found 134 times in the Bible. And when you can't see your way through, uh, see what God's doing in your life, then you have to trust Him. And I found out He can comfort us through the Word of God. If you go to the hospital, God can comfort you while you're there. He can comfort you in the funeral home while you're there with a family member that's passed away. He can comfort you in any place at any time. He's the God of all comfort. Psalm 71, 21 says, Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I want you to think about that. Comfort me on every side. Sometimes we don't think about God being a comforter, but the Bible says that he is. Now, I hear people say, well, God permitted this to come to me and I accept it when they don't accept it at all, but they rebel against it. To be honest, so be honest with God and tell God how you feel. None of us like to suffer, but God sometimes allows suffering to come. We may not like it and we don't like it, 
but he still allows it to come sometime. There's a popular notion that comfort is some sort of saccharine sweet sentimentality with a note of weakness. I remember when I was a little boy, I'd always fallen off my bike and skinning my knees and my elbows and so forth. We had a big hill right by our house, and I'd come down that hill way too fast and couldn't get stopped and start sliding in the gravel, and down I'd go. And I'd have skinned knees and skinned elbows and skinned arms and skinned hands. And I'd run to Mama, just like you did. And Mama would kiss my hands and kiss my arm and kiss my knees. She said, now it's all better. It wasn't all better. But she conned me into thinking that it was all better. Huh? Isn't that right? I'd quit crying. And that's sentimental, I know. It's sweet and lovely. You can remember that when it happened to you. But now I'm of age, and the only thing that can truly comfort me is the truth when I need it. People turn to all kinds of things for comfort. There's a a whiskey called Southern Comfort. You won't find any comfort there. Jim Beam won't give you any. Bud Light won't give you any. Drugs won't give you any comfort. As a matter of fact, all of those things will destroy your life and destroy the life of your family. The Greek word for comfort means to come along beside it. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God comforting us. The Holy Spirit of God, He's called to our side. In John 14, verse 18, when the Lord Jesus promised us in the Holy Spirit, He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I want to send you a comforter. He said, I'm not going to leave you like an orphan. I'm going to send a comforter to you. He said this to His own men as He was getting ready to leave. In John 16 and verse 7, He said, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, what is the comforter then? Well, he's not somebody that comes by and kisses your boo-boos. He's much more than that. He doesn't just rub your bruises and say everything's all right. He's a helper. And I need help. Okay? Every day that I live, folks, I need help. You say, as old as you are, you need help. The older I get, the more help I need. I need help. He's not only a helper. The Bible says he's a strengthener. Did you ever feel weak? Sometimes I feel weak. I know I got up to preach this morning in a church just out north of town. And boy, I felt so weak. I woke up with a tremendous headache. And, and it seemed like that I didn't know if I was going to be able to preach or not. But the Lord touched me and we had a good service there. But he strengthened me. Amen. Sometimes you're that way. I know you're weak. But you pray and God strengthens you through the Holy Spirit of God. But also he's our advocate. Amen. He's our go-between. I like that. I like somebody that's my attorney that, that will plead my case on my behalf because I'm not very good at it. But God can plead my case. He's the one who called to help me and to strengthen me to relieve the loneliness and assuage the grief and calm the fears I have in life. He brings me help in terrifying times of trouble. In Psalms 30 and verse 10, David said this here. He said, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, thou, be thou my helper. There's the word helper again. That's the cry of the soul that needs a comforter. God is a God of all comfort. It said Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, and I, I read that for the text. The Bible says there, who comfort us all in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. It's a wonderful thing that we have a God who can comfort us in all of our troubles. It's one thing to have comfort when the sun is shining. It's one thing to have comfort when somebody's patting us on our back and there's money in the bank. What we really need is comfort in the time of trouble. We really need comfort in the midnight hour. You know, the phone can ring at noon. We don't think you think about it. 
But if you're in bed at midnight and the phone rings, you know probably that call is not good. You know something bad has happened. Somebody's sick. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody had a wreck. Somebody's had a heart attack. We know that the news is not good. What we really, really need is comfort when things are going wrong. What you really need is comfort when you've lost a loved one. And you, and you don't have the answers as to why that you've lost that loved one. And many people sitting here in the church tonight have lost family members. I think of Lakey's. I think of Ramona losing her mother. And, of course, me losing my wife. And, and we don't have any explanations for that. You know, but we have a God that comforts us. Amen. I'm thankful for that comforting Holy Spirit that he, that he sends my way when I, when I did be comforted. We see that Paul experienced that kind of comfort in his time of trouble. Think about the shipwreck he was in. Remember, God told him, he said, all the lives are going to be saved. Wouldn't that be comforting to know that? He was comforted in that. And then stoned and left for dead. I mean, they just stoned him and walked off and thought, well, he's dead. He's gone. He's, he's finished. He's done. But the Holy Spirit began to comfort him when he was in prison. And he spent much of his time in prison. A smart man, an intelligent man, but yet he was in prison because he was not politically correct. You see, we need the assurance of the presence of God in all of our circumstances of our life, in the area of our greatest need, in our loneliness, in the desperate hour of our life. Christianity, to some people, is just a theory. Christianity, to some people, like a garment that you put on on Sunday morning, and when you get home from church on Sunday afternoon, you take it off and you forget it till the next Sunday morning. Yeah. That's not Christianity. That's, right. that, that's hypocritical. Yes. That's not Christianity at all. If that's what Christ, Christianity is to you, it's a stagnant ritual and an empty vocabulary. Yeah. The proof of Christianity is how it walks in shoe leather. It wasn't just a theory with the Apostle Paul. He lived day after day after day after day in persecution. I mean, stoned, shipwrecked, beaten. Uh, you know, just like many other people in the scriptures there. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded in Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, knowing that you are partakers of the suffering, so shall you also be of the consolation. We find that Paul is going to talk a great deal in the scripture here about the times that he suffered, the trouble that he had, the trouble that he was presently having, and of God's comfort through all of the troubles. In verses 7 through 10, the Bible says, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall you be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we even despaired of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Amen. Did you get that scripture? I know I read it pretty fast. This explains why God permits us to have trouble or to be sick. Paul says here, he was sick nigh unto death. He says here he had the sentence of death upon him. Now, I'm not for sure what happened here. Maybe somebody told him, Paul, you look like you're going to die. You look sick. Others believe that uh, they think that he's referring to the time that the mob tried to kill him there in Ephesus. They would have torn Paul to pieces and made him a martyr. It could have been referring to either experience. Both would have carried the sentence of death. But Paul says that God who raises the dead, now get this, delivers us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. 
That's wonderful. We have a comforter that's going to deliver us. He's going he to be with us and stand beside us. It ought to be practical for you and I today. Let me say that God permits Christians to suffer. Job suffered. I can't imagine the man suffering like Job did. Lost everything he had in a 24-hour time period. Lost his children, lost his cattle, his camels, everything that he owned was absolutely gone. This is what he said in Job 10 and verse 20. Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone that I may take comfort a little. Just a little bit of comfort was all he was wanting. Now we've all lost family members. You've lost some of your mothers and fathers and some of you've lost children and whatever. And we just want a little bit of comfort. Just a little bit of comfort helps. And yet the Bible says that he's the God of all comfort. He will comfort us when they need to be comforted. He intends for it to work out for the good of those that are believers. He intends for it to serve a good purpose so that they can comfort someone else. Everything that you and I have, we have because of the mercy of God. And we have it for the benefit of others. Not just for our benefit. Sometimes we can console somebody because we have had gone through the very same thing that they are going through. I know a number of years ago I pastored a church down south of Mountain Grove and a lady in the church lost her husband. They've been married something like 60 some years. And she told me, she said, I believe I got a ministry now to minister to widows that have lost their husbands. And did you know it, it wasn't two or three months another man in the congregation died and she come along beside that woman and ministered to her Probably helped her more than I could have ever helped her. She was a consolation to her. She was a comfort to her. And that lady did that all the time I was down there. Someone would pass away and she would, she would go to them and she would talk to them and pray with them and try to comfort them. And so we do these things for the benefit of others. Regardless of what you have or what you've gone through, God has given it to you so that you can share it with others. He's given it to you as a mercy. If you have health, you're very fortunate here tonight if you have health. And God wants you to use that health. If you have wealth, God wants you to use that. If you have youth, I, I looked up here, they were singing tonight, Amen. practicing. Of all the youth that you have up here uh, and the talent that they have and the gifts that they have. And young people, God expects you to use those gifts and use that talent for Him. He wants you to use it and He wants you to share that gift and talent with others. Each issues from the mercy of God. And, and wait a minute, suffering also. Suffering saints. We don't even like that phrase, do we? Suffering saints. We don't like to hear about that. If you're suffering for Christ, He permits that to happen to you. Dr. Harry Arnside used to tell the story of being in Austria, Austria on a sightseeing bus trip. As they was traveling, some sheep was in the road, and the sheep was being followed by two sheepdogs. And of course, they couldn't get by the sheep. They just followed the sheep along, and one man there kind of got upset about it, and he, he asked Brother Arnside, he said, you know the name of those two sheepdogs? And he said, well, I think I do. He said, well, what's their names? He said, one is goodness, the other is mercy. And they're following the sheep. <laughs> well, goodness and mercy, David said, shall follow me all the days of my life, Amen. and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, you may not think goodness and mercy is good to have them yapping at your heels, keep you from going left or right, but it's God's mercy that keeps us straight and on the narrow way. He uses trials and difficulties for that very purpose. He's the father of mercies, the Bible says, are suffering for the benefit of others and may be able to comfort them which aren't in any trouble. Now notice there in verse 8, 
Paul said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. I remember in school there was a story that went around school there, and I don't remember what teacher it was that told us the story about the sun and the wind were having a contest to see who was the strongest. There was a man that was walking down the street and he had a coat on, and the wind said, Well, I'm going first. He said, I can blow the coat right off of that guy. And so the wind starts blowing and blowing and blowing. I mean, it nearly blows the man down. But you know what the man does? The more the wind blows, the tighter he brings his coat around himself. And he never did blow the coat off. And the sun said, well, it's my turn now. And the sun came out real bright and hot. I mean, like a hot July or August day. And the guy got so hot, you know what he did with his coat? He took it off. He took it off. So the sun won. The sun did what the wind could not do. Generally, the wind of adversity won't take us away from God. Generally, when the wind of adversity begin to blow, I mean, God will turn and comfort us in that adversity. And sometimes that adversity will even make us stronger for the Lord. And there's all different kinds of adversities, okay? But today, if you're on a bed of pain and you are in the will of God, that bed can become a greater pulpit than one of the preachers that stand behind the pulpit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. I like that verse. And then the expression here is quite interesting. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ hath anointed us. Who is that? That's the Holy Spirit of God. At funerals sometimes we hear the song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. Well, the word here is not safe in the arms of Jesus. The word here is we are an arm of Jesus. The Bible says we are a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, any man being Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. <coughs> so rather than being safe in his arms, you're safe as an arm of Jesus Christ. You are safe as a member of his body. I don't know about you, but that's, that's wonderful security as far as I'm concerned. The God of all comfort. Jesus was ready to leave in John chapter 14, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I'll go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive them myself. That where I am, there you shall be also. What was he doing? He was comforting those disciples. They didn't want to see him go. You may need to be comforted tonight. There's a verse of Scripture in Romans chapter 8 that I want to read. I don't think I gave it to the guys there. But Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11. The Bible says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Do you have somebody in your family that's saved, that's gone on to be with the Lord? You took them to the cemetery and you buried them? Red, you buried your dad, man of God. The Lakeys buried their son and grandson, child of God. I buried my wife, a child of God. Many of you, probably everybody here has buried somebody in your family that's saved, okay? Now, do you notice what the Bible said there in verse 11? But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. The, the word quicken there means to be brought back to life. If I'm dead, I want you to get this. If I'm dead when Christ comes, 
The Bible says on resurrection morning when the trump of God sounds, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God will lift my body out of the ground. I don't care how deep they bury me. I read a story not too long back about back in years ago, a mine had caved in. And they didn't have the things they have today to dig the miners out. And finally they got a hole drilled down in the, in the top of that mine. And I didn't hear any noise. Didn't hear any, anything, any kind of life down there. And they decided the thing to do was just to seal the mine up. And those miners were hundreds of feet down in that mine. Let me tell you, if, when Jesus comes back, if there's one miner down there that's a child of God, <clears throat> he's coming forth. Did you know that? He's coming out of that of mind. And I want to tell you something. If your loved one is buried in a cemetery somewhere and they're a child of God, there's nothing going to hold that body down. And the Bible says that the anointing of the Spirit of God will lift the body out of the ground. A perfect body. A glorified body. A never dying body. A disease free body. And the Bible says we'll sail to the meeting in the air and forever shall we be with the Lord. I like that old song that says, Oh, what singing, sing it with me. Oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory, hallelujah, when we meet the blessed Savior in the skies. You need comforted today? I need comforted all the time. Amen. I need comforted. And you do too. You may say, well, Brother Danny, I don't have any problems. Well, you better hold on tight. You better hold on tight because you're going to have them. They're going to come your way. Man, there's one woman's a few days and full, not half full, and full of trouble. Job 14.1. So you're going to have trouble. And you need to have the comforter there with you. I read the Apostle Paul and I think, my, could I have ever endured what he did? I don't know. Probably never have to. We don't know that either. The way things are turning, but things are looking. But we have a comforter. Don't forget that. A comforter that's closer than a brother. Closer than anyone else. You know, I'm close to Brother Reg. He's my my first cousin. I look at him more as a brother than I do a cousin. Band the same way. But you know, the comforter is closer than they are. I can't be with them all the time. They can't be with me all the time. But the Holy Ghost of God lives inside of me and can comfort me when I need to be comforted. I don't know what your need is tonight. I know we've already had a lady here at the altar here, but I'd like for you to stand for just a moment, if you will. And we just have a little quiet time. And maybe you need to come tonight and, and just talk to the Lord. I like that old song that said, let's have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Tell him all about our troubles, our trials, our tribulations. Tell him all about the things that's going on in our life. He already knows that I understand that. But he wants you to talk to him about it. And I guarantee you he will come beside of you and comfort you. Comfort you like you've never been comforted before. I want to say tonight I love you. I appreciate this church. I appreciate last Sunday night the, the party that you threw and the food that we had and everything. And I appreciate that. This church means so much to me. And I just love you in the Lord. I want you to be comforted when you need comforted. And only God can do that. Only Jesus can do the comforting that really needs to be done in our hearts and our lives. Let's bow our heads. If you'd like to come and pray, you may. You can pray where you're at.